Amelia Ana Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. The workflow of a software developer has evolved a lot throughout the decades. With these advancements, we've become more productive and can focus on building things that are core to the business that we work on. Simina Passat, Senior Program Manager at Microsoft, explains what developer productivity consists of. We talked about the developing pipeline for building mobile apps and the components that can be automated. Simina also explained the bottlenecks in developing a mobile app and how to monitor apps and learn from data. Before we get on with the show, I'd like to thank Blind for being a sponsor of the Women in Tech show. Blind is an anonymous app for tech workers to discuss, debate, and talk about compensation, corporate policies, workplace harassment, and more. I've used it for over a year and find it really helpful. There are 50,000 companies active on Blind. Check if yours is there and connect with other employees. Blind is available for iOS, Android, and online at teamblind.com. Go to teamblind.com to download the app. Thank you. Simina Passat, Senior Program Manager at Microsoft, is joining us today. Simina, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. It's great to have you. And you work at Microsoft, and a lot of the work that you focus on involves developer productivity, and particularly in App Center, which is a tool that enables developer productivity. Before we get into the details of what App Center is, I want to begin talking about developer productivity. An important component of this is to understand the developing pipeline. Can you explain what this is? Yeah, so maybe I will go just even one step back and okay. to explain a bit just kind of the context why we are here. So, you know, in the world we live in, there's more and more developers and there are a lot of software developers writing services, but also the mobile world in the last seven, eight years has exploded exponentially. So the world we live in is just like, you know, we have our iPhones on the table or our phones on the tables, and I have like gazillion of apps that we use every day. And if these apps are not working properly, consumers are very easily unhappy, and the market is so competitive that they're always eager to move to the next solution there. So in this world of everybody is using apps and the market is super competitive, the developers have to be at their best. And this means that they have to deliver not only good apps and fun apps, but really high quality apps and apps that don't crash on your phone and that they can move fast because there's always going to be the other company who ships features faster than you. So you're talking about developers being at the front of the way the app is developed because if they make one mistake, for example, even if they have downtime or if they deploy a UI change that doesn't really make sense, people can quickly sometimes move to the alternatives. So can you talk a little bit more about this developing pipeline? What does it mean? Are there specific steps to it or sure. components? Yeah, so I think something that most of people are familiar with are is uh, writing the code on somebody's machine. Like developers usually do that, you know, they write their code. Things that people are not that familiar with are putting the code to users' devices, especially in the mobile world, it's a bit more complicated to deploy things than testing them, but then also getting analytics. And I think in the web services world, things are a bit more streamlined, meaning, you know, you just go 
to production or go to some staging environment and everything is some, at some URL. But in the world of mobile development, you have to use something like Test Flight or Hockey App or something to ship a beta version on a user's device. So it really starts with writing code on your on your machine. And then in a world where teams have more team members, you want to have something like continuous integration to make sure that the changes you're doing are not breaking the build and that you're not introducing big bugs and then to test these changes. And then finally, if everything looks good, you want to deploy them to your user devices first for some beta testing, but then all the way to the public stores like App Store or a Play Store. And then to really get insights and learn from your customers. So you want to do some crash reporting to understand when your app is crashing or if your app is crashing. And then also analytics and to understand the behavior of your users and then to engage with them with push notifications. And basically, yeah, where I work with in App Center, we bring all these components together to make developer productivity higher. You brought up an important point, which I think is this comparison between what's happening in web versus mobile. If I understood correctly, what you're saying is in web, if you want to test something, it's a matter of having that in a separate URL, like my app dash test.com and the real app is called myapp.com. For the mobile workflow, you mentioned two tools, Test Flight and Hockey App. Can you explain the idea behind this? Because it doesn't really work the same as web where yeah. you get a URL. Yeah, so yeah. a few years ago when somebody would develop uh, apps for their mobile phones, the industry norm would be that they would either send some URL and then that person that wants to install the app would have to struggle to use iTunes and to install on their device or the norm would be, can you come to my desk, give me a USB cable, and I will just put it on your phone. And yeah. that's obviously something that doesn't scale. And especially with non-technical testers, you don't want to get there. So there's different tools which help with that. Hockey app is one of them. And in fact, it's a startup acquired by Microsoft, I think already three and a half or four years ago. So they're one of the leaders into beta distribution. And how it works really is that the tester, you get an email and then you just click a button and then you can download the app to your phone for testing. And then the next step, once you're done with beta testing, you can use something like Test Flight, which is part of a Apple developer program. So you can test with more people, like up to a few thousand testers. And then when everything looks good, you can deploy to the App Store. And this is in the Apple world, basically, but it's similar for Google Play. And the way you can think about it is that even in web, you many times have multiple deployment rings. So, you know, you deploy to, let's say, a few percent of your users for testing and then to a few more. And then finally, you deploy to your whole population. So it's kind of similar. And just to do a quick recap of the steps that involve developing a mobile app, you said developers start coding, so using their editor, writing code. Then there's this also this step of testing. There's also A-B testing. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so there's few types of testing and I will not go into details of that, but basically whenever somebody does a change in the program, they want to do some either unit testing or functional testing or um, UI testing, so changes of your UI interface. I think in the web world, Selenium is one of the most well-known things. There are similar frameworks in mobile. Additionally, for mobile, the challenge is that you have few thousands types of Android devices and few hundred, like tens of factors of iPhones and Apple devices. So just being able to test on all these different devices is very difficult itself. But then there's also, so this is like really more like functional testing, but then there's the concept of A-B testing, which is 
Personally, I don't consider it the same level as the other testing. It's more like for experimentation and understanding your audiences. And really, like, I think the most common example is should that button be red or green? Let's try it out, do an A-B test, meaning we divide the population into groups, into experiments, and then we see which one is more successful to achieve the key results. Yeah, hopefully they're not colorblind. Right, <laughs> yeah. And then, so we have A-B testing. There's also other things like performance testing and... I want to talk now about the ways in which this life cycle of creating an app can be automated. And the way I want to talk about this is by talking about App Center, because it can help us understand via a tool that already exists, which portions can be automated. Can you first explain what App Center is? Yeah, so App Center is a suite of services uh, designed for app developers in mind which uh, give app developers, uh, so the core is to make them more productive, like that's our mission, to make them more productive, and gives them all these different services to help them achieve uh, their goals and to make development easier, and just to take them through the whole life cycle of their apps. So it really starts with, you write code on your machine, you do a git push, so you push to your GitHub repo, uh, like git repository being GitHub, Bitbucket, VSTS, whatever you use, it doesn't really matter. And from there, App Center takes your code, it builds it, it tests it, distributes it to users' devices. And then also with App Center, you monitor uh, the performance, you monitor the crashes, analytics, and you learn everything about your users. And then you have this continuous learning and feedback cycle, and then you start over, basically. You make another change, you do again git push, and then so on and so on. So App Center is a set of tools that automate some of these portions. And the ones that I read about and you've also mentioned are build, test, delivering the app, and also learning insights from the app. Earlier, we were talking about testing and how there are multiple flavors of Android, hundreds or thousands of different hardware. How can this be automated? Testing, for example, me if I want to test in you know, certain pieces of hardware and services of Android. Can this be automated without me having to buy those phones? And Yeah, I mean, that's one of the value propositions of App Center. It really comes uh, from Xamarin Test Cloud, which Xamarin was acquired by Microsoft a few years ago. So the App Center test part of App Center is actually the new generation of Xamarin Test Cloud that some people might be familiar with. And what we have is a few device centers with thousands of devices with different operating systems and languages, Android phones, iOS phones, different OS versions, things that normal companies don't really cannot really have them on their premise because nobody wants to invest time or money in that. So we have all these devices and then we provide a layer on top of that and people can use their preferred um, framework for writing tests. So it can be XUI test or APM or depending uh, what people prefer. And they can submit this test to App Center. We run them on our devices and then users can get all the reports and like all the screenshots of how their test looks like on these real devices, which is pretty cool because I don't have an iPhone 5 at home to try out how it works. And behind the scenes, these are not, are these running on like emulators? No, or? they're real devices. Like we have yeah, a few device centers with, when you enter, there's actually full of phones with plugs in them and it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's cool. Let's talk a bit more about delivering an app. I know many organizations, they have their flagship app, and this app is available in different platforms like iOS, Android, macOS, Windows. What are some of the challenges that they face 
in the process of delivering app. So they have an app in you know the many different platforms, and they just want to deliver it. Right. I mean, one of the challenges is just that there's so many platforms, as you said, right? Like there's so many distribution paths to get your uh, app out. So just like managing the whole testers and understanding which app or which commit or which build you should take to which testers and understanding, um, you know, when a build is good enough to promote it to your, I don't know, let's say alpha testers or then to beta testers. It's itself, I think it's a challenge just understanding where everything is. Can some of these portions be automated? Yeah, they can. And the way we look at it in App Center is more like a following a Git flow and a branch uh, mindset. And like the way we think about it that is that what is on the develop branch will go to your testers and what's in your master branch will go to the app store. And basically you're promoting builds between develop and master. And then depending how your builds are, you can just like ship them to the store. And in App Center, we also have the concept of distribution groups. So, you know, let's say that you and me work in the same team and we write an app and we would be the internal testers, but then we have some friends and family who will be our alpha testers. And then, you know, we have some, I don't know, public beta somewhere on the internet. And then these are our like beta testers and then like up all the way to the store. Yeah. And another component that helps improving developer productivity in addition to having this distribution groups is what you call them right is looking at insights and learning from them which you also briefly mentioned earlier can you talk about the insights that developers can learn from some examples of these insights so it's a context framing the way we look at development generally and how people do it in the industry is more like build measure learn and then you start over and that's kind of the mindset and the frame that uh, app center is built on so you know you build you do your continuous integration uh, testing and then you ship it to users but then you really want to be able to measure how they're doing and then to take those learnings from your measurements and bring them back into the development lifecycle. And for the measurement part, there's two core aspects. One is how is the app performing? In the web services, sometimes it's like 99.9 performance, uh, like reliability and all these things. In mobile apps, we look at crash-free numbers. Like we want to have as little crashes in the app. Like crashes is when, for those who don't know, is when you're using your favorite app and it just shuts down and then you start it over and it just goes from scratch and you lost everything what you've done, which is extremely annoying. So one core component is the crash reporting part and the other component is analytics. And for the crash reporting, it's actually not that easy because some of the operating systems have pretty complicated pipelines and then you have to go like we do a lot of something called symbolication and basically bringing the app from something that is unreadable by a user by, uh, to actual stack traces and something that developers can use to debug their code and to understand where the bugs are. So that's one part. And the other part is really analytics, is how many people are using my apps, in what languages, what are the countries, what events should I track to understand users, what are the funnels, like all this part. In terms of crash reporting. In another talk I saw you mentioned, this is one of the top things that gets reported in the reviews section of an app. The app is crashing all the time and things like that. You mentioned there's a challenge in terms of getting that crash report from the system. Do developers have to worry about that or is that also another portion that 
can be automated with a tool, for example, like App Center, where other engineers already did the work for you to gather that data. Yeah, it, it can be automated. And in fact, it's, I think more and more people in the industry are automating it. I don't know many people who are not automating it. And how it works is that for every build, you'll get crash, they're called crash reports, basically like reports of where your app crashed and you can get the line number and exactly at the which line and it's actually not that complicated anymore. But without tools that automate it, it can be fairly unpleasant to do it. Mm -hmm. Yes, and you're mentioning you can get a crash report when you're building it. Is this part of the continuous integration pipeline where you're running the test and then some tests fail and that generates a crash report or building the app itself can cause? Usually it's uh, when testing it either on a real device or tested by a user. So if you're doing continuous integration and then you do UI testing, it's possible to have crash reports from the UI tests that you ran in the on your devices. But it's even more possible that you will distribute the app to some of your alpha or beta testers and then the app will crash. And really cr the app crashing in UI testing or alpha or beta testing is one of the happy cases. The, the sad cases are when it crashes to the app store and maybe it crashes on the startup screen and like 100% of a population cannot use your app anymore because it's crashing when you started, which happens even with some of the best apps in the world. Like sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. So what you're saying, there's a way that the app can pass our, all our build process and our tests, but then after it's published in the app store, there bugs happen, right? Like yeah. It's very difficult to have 100% to be 100% sure that nothing will ever crash. And probably you don't yeah. want to be there because it means you're moving way too slow. Yeah, exactly. And we've been talking about crash reporting. The other component that you mentioned is analytics. And this involves a lot of data-driven decision-making and things like that. Can you talk about some data-driven decisions that developers can make because of this analytics that are in place and some of those metrics that help with those decisions. Yeah, so for instance, let's take an app that has sign-in options with different providers. For instance, you have sign-in with uh, Google, then you have with Facebook, maybe with Microsoft, then you have sign-in with password and e uh, sorry, email and password, then Twitter, like there's probably like six, seven, eight, nine, 10 sign in options and obviously if you have a screen with 10 buttons how you want to sign in probably like your users will just like n not be sure what to pick so one easy way to improve that screen is to look into your current usage to see what are the most uh, used sign in options probably like facebook is going to have a big chunk because really like there's i don't know one two billion people using facebook so i guess that's going to be a big one. And then you can prioritize, let's say, okay, I'm going to have three sign-in options on my main screen and then a small link that it's going to be like sign-in with other options, which means that, let's say, like 90% of people will be just happy with the three options and for the 10%, they can just click one more link. So that's something that you can learn from analytics. Another example is, let's say you have a e-commerce uh, app and you're doing some online shopping and... Um, or you're, yeah, you're giving an app for online shopping and then uh, you change something in your checkout flow. So that's something, again, where you want to make sure that you understand the behavior and how users are using the app so that you don't have issues with one of your main key results, which probably in a commerce app is clicking on checkout and clicking on pay now. 
these are some examples of decisions related to the app. For example, you mentioned the list of drop-down options for signing or signing up. Another one that I can think of is it can even help streamline your developing pipeline in the sense that you're also learning what devices your users are using the most, like what flavors of Android, and then you can even decide to stop running certain tests in you know old hardware and things like that, right? Yeah, or even what is the next language you want to internationalize your app for? Because budget is not unlimited. So if you want to, let's say, go to a new market, you can easily use analytics to understand what languages are your users using, and then you can just internationalize into that one language first. And another component of developer productivity in the developing pipeline, which you mentioned earlier, is continuous integration. For those that are not familiar with this concept, can you describe what this is? Uh, Yeah, sure. So let's say we have a team of five, six people. They're usually using some sort of versioning control system like git is the most used one where they can make sure that everybody has the same code on each machine and that they're working together to ship this app but as people are working together on the same code there's many times when somebody's introducing some bug or some bad code that actually uh, leads to the build not succeeding or the app crashing or one of these less happy scenarios. In order to stop that or to prevent that, many people use something called continuous integration. So basically, after every time somebody commits or pushes code to the repository, this continuous integration service will run the builds. So we'll check that everything is running as it's supposed to run, that the tests are passing, that there's no new introduced bugs. And assuming that the build is green and it's successful, it's going to move to the next step. And this way, the people working in the team are having a higher confidence that their code is correct and that nobody's breaking functionality, basically. What used to be the workflow prior to this continuous integration? Did did it involve a lot of manual thing or people would have to... Yeah, I think it was just a lot of blaming. Like, who broke the bill? Oh, it wasn't me. It doesn't work on my machine. And then just, like, wasting a lot of time to understand what happened. That's true. That's a good point because with continuous integration, like you're saying, you have a change and you push that change and then it would tell you it failed with this push. And there's, like, a there's one source of truth. There's not five or six or seven machines, the people who are working in it, and everybody says, oh, it works on my machine or things like that. It's, no, there's one source of truth that's a continuous integration service and if it passes there it's probably correct can you describe just to recap everything we talked about the app center what this experience of automating developer productivity looks like i when i was researching for this interview i saw the website and i got the idea of how it works but it might be difficult for people to understand just listening to an audio so what i wanted you to explain is just do a quick walkthrough. For example, I have, I wrote a code for my iOS app and my Android app. Then where does App Center come into place? How do I get those automation benefits from App App Center? Okay, so I'd say you start, you create an App Center account, you go to uh, appcenter.ms and you create an App Center account. Then you create a new app that will uh, target the operating systems and platform of your choice. So maybe you'll have one app for Android and one app for iOS. And then you really start, one of the first steps is integrating the SDK. And App Center has a open source SDK for all the platforms and uh, different frameworks. So we have a SDK for Xamarin, one for React Native, but also for iOS, Swift, macOS, 
and so on. So you integrate this SDK and then just with integrating the SDK, you will get crash reporting and analytics. And that's, you're already done with that part. And for the automation part with continuous integration and testing and distribution, basically your code is probably already hosted on a Git provider somewhere, like on GitHub or Bitbucket or VSTS. So what you do in AppCenter is that you hook up to your, let's say, GitHub account, and then you select your repository, and then you just have to configure it, like to say, okay, what is the project that you want to build? And let's say, what's the Xcode version or what's the mono version if it's a Xamarin app? And then every time you would start committing or pushing to your repository, the build will run. And then you can test it in App Center. So you add some tests. And then you say, okay, distribute it to my I don't, internal testers. And then just everything will flow with every push. Um, depending on your configuration, the code will be built, tested, and then distributed. And the SDK will continue collecting analytics and crash reporting. So your workflow doesn't change that much. You continue to push to GitHub or whatever it is you're using. And then you can launch App Center, I guess, to take a look at the test failures and things like that. Yeah, so for the, the test failures, you can... So our goal is to meet developers where they are. We know that they have a lot of work already, so we don't want to put additional work on their shoulders. It's more like we want to complement their existing workflows and processes to make their life better. So we know that they do Git push a lot. So we actually don't want them to do anything else than just committing code to the repo. And let's say if the build is failing, they're going to get a notification either on Slack or on Teams or on their email. Same if their tests are failing, they're going to get a notification. So ideally, they would not have to go to App Center. Only if they want to get some additional data or if they want to get crash reports or analytics data or to be a bit more explorative about what's happening, then they would go to App Center. But our goal is to meet them where they are. So how do they connect to, for example, I know App App Center is the one providing these thousands of devices for testing. How does that connect in the workflow of if you're using GitHub, for example? Right. So you use GitHub, then you have a continuous integration service, which can be, let's say, App Center, but it can be something like Travis CI or Bitrise or VSTS or whatever. And then uh, once your build steps are done, you can write either a CLI command or to use one of the provided tasks, and you can just uh, kick off a test in App Center test. And if the test is succeeded, then the continuous integration process will continue with the next step, whatever that is. I see. That's great because App Center is not another portal or yet another tool that you need to go to. Like you said, you only go there if you want more detail, but it just is streamlined with your current workflow. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to talk about this was because I'm a big fan of, not because I work here, but Microsoft and all this work in developer productivity and building awesome tools. And I really, really like that. And I appreciate you taking the time to come and talk about this today. Thanks for the invite. It was great. Thank you, Simina. Thanks to Blind for being a new sponsor of the show. Go to teamblind.com. That's teamblind.com to download the app and connect with other employees from your company. Check it out. 